Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And folks... This episode has been a long time coming. That's right. After many, many weeks of promises, of many, many weeks of hype, of many, many weeks of we swear it's going to happen, this week it finally happens. Round one of the Marvel versus DC Decathlon. And if I ever take Tony's advice and get us on a Twitch stream or something, you would see I have the background for the occasion. In fact, we have a full bandwagon. That's right. The Reverend Ray Cash is here. Uh, oh, oh, jeez, oh, 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 I just can't. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, yeah, sorry, Ray. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what's, what's up, man. How are you doing? I'm scared to talk because I know what's going to happen. So what's going to happen? I don't know what. I don't know what's going to happen. Thumbs up, thumbs up. I, we have the lawyer himself, David Ungar. <laughs> thunderous applause, thunderous applause. All right. Welcome, Dave. How you doing, bud? Oh, you know, another uh, disappointing in, uh, installment in the Cowboys-Washington series today. But other than that, hey, it's all good. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. And we do have the live studio audience himself, Mr. PC Tunney. I'm great. Uh, Twitch is DP or Ray's idea, I believe. So I don't want to take credit for. Something. Yeah, but you, yeah. Suggested, you suggested it last week or the week before. I, so no, like I think I suggested the restream thing where people could watch us record live. I uh, gotcha. Gotcha. But um, here, here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to slide out of frame real quick. Cause I'm really proud of this background. Gentlemen, what do you think of today's background? You get a look at that. You see that? That's pretty sweet. I don't know. Google, Google nice. images. Very Second. nice. Yeah. I mean, nothing I wrong with, with, nothing wrong with featuring the Flash, you know? I was, I was about that to say, I don't know why Flash is in the front. Flash cover, should be somewhere. Cover up Wolverine. There you go. There you go. Cover Wolverine. E- e- the e- Flash w for all you, uh, 
for all your for all you CW Flash fans, uh, Armageddon four parter is out, so I'm catching up on it. I'm halfway through. It's excellent. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, yeah. So that is today is the day we're finally going to do. This is going to be part one of a five part series where the bandwagon is going to break down 10 different categories. That's right. 10 events and try to determine DC versus Marvel brand supremacy. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the third portion of the show. After that second commercial break, that is going to be the lion's share of the conversation before we get to all that. Of course, we do have to give Ray some time to cough and sneeze away from the podcast while we talk about lock and key because we did i from what i hear i understand if 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 i understand word on the street two two thirds of the of the folks watching lock and key immediately after the broadcast after recording the broadcast watched the final episode of lock and key i however did not i waited until today i held off i held off but we're, we're going to talk all you'll remember it then. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> we're going to have a mix of, uh, for uh, the second segment of the show, we're going to have a mix of some trailers that dropped. We're going to talk about one big piece of news around the nerdosphere centering around Netflix as yet another Netflix original series appears to have been cut off at the knees. And I shared an interesting article with everyone about just why Netflix might be doing that. And so as you guys hopefully scramble during the commercial breaks to, to read that article, uh, we're, we're going to talk in depth about that. Dave's like, what? I read it. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Right. Dave's ready to go. Prepared, I did the man. homework. Can, I did the homework. So, can I get a cheer? Did you just beg for a cheer again? I did. And I, yes. You just, you just don't do that from the live studio audience. You just, you just you just you know better at this point. Like I don't know why you insist on raising the ire of the live studio audience. They want to like you, don't you, studio audience? See, they do. They really want to like you, and yet no matter what, you continue to do this and get boost. Like I don't. Like I try to protect you from these folks, right? I try to protect you from the smart marks out there who John Cena you left and right, and yet you continue to do things to raise their ire. You'll appreciate me when I'm gone. Will they? Because you know what? You don't even watch... <laughs> Did you say will they? <laughs> That's right. I'm on fire, gentlemen. I took a nap before we started this podcast. I am rested. I am ready to go. I'm fully caffeinated and rested, if that makes any sense at all. And Ray... I'm going to take a little bit of a load off of you. Go take your break, because it's time to wrap up Lock and Key. And again, abruptly cut off because I don't know how to fade things out because I'm lazy. All right, let's kick this off. Dave, Tony, do you guys really not remember much of the episode? I remember enough. I think Tony does too. You you remember the big the the big like dark foreboding part of the end, right? Like Eden gets chucked down the well oh, sure. by uh, 
Captain know, Hook. Cap- Captain Hook. <laughs> what is his name, Tony? Captain something or other, but an as yet unnamed demon. That's that's what we know there. Um, Dodge is quote unquote out of the picture, but let's let's be realistic. Uh, and what was one hell of a battle with Dodge and Kinsey, right? Where we finally learn what the harness does, the harness key. She sprouts wings. That was pretty awesome. Uh, just a, and, and a nice climactic battle between the two of them. And we we see that we have finally freed um, the real what's his name that Dodge was possessing. Allie. Oh, what? Yeah. Lucas. Oh no, Lucas. 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 Thank you, Tony. Got it. Lucas. Ellie was also freed too. And we we like the first season. The last episode had a lot of really nice moments to kind of wrap things up as. You know, um, you mentioned Ellie gets reunited with her son. And I mean, should she drive all the way to Nebraska? Like, just, I, I mean, I guess she had to. She could have used the driving anywhere key. She couldn't, though, Bodie. because. Didn't Bodie give it to her? I don't remember. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure. What then? What key did Eden have that she that was taken from her by what's his name? Because I thought she had the anywhere key because he walked out of the door. Yeah, you're right. To, I think you're right. Thank you. She drove to, she drove her ass to Nebraska. That's what happened there. Um, Tony, were you efforting the name of that guy? Frederick no, something. Frederick Gear. That's the ancestor of um, Josh. Josh, right? So I, I can't get here, the full name. A, right. Hey, here's the thing: is so the the entire Lot Clan that is aware of how keys work outside of Bodie go to try and stop Dodge and their mini army of, of demon possessed people we get, and it's not just the lot, cl- uh, lot clan. Cause we also get, um, the boyfriend, uh, I'm going to forget his name too. Cause drink, if you're playing the Patrick O'Dowd, can't remember anybody's name game, Scott, uh, Scott, he, um, He's there as well. They give him the strength key. Um, the uh, uncle's got the um, fire key, and he's trying to bust into the vault to get the demon key. There's just a lot going on. What's that? Frederick Gideon. Frederick he's the, Gideon. The British guy, right? At the end, right, Tony? He's, yep. He's, yeah, but he's the guy that, who infected himself. Right. He saw an opportunity, and he took it. Um. And so he um, he is loose on the world at the end. But Dave, I'll start with you. Oh, and I'm sorry. I got to say this. I loved the last little moment between Bodhi and his mom where he opens up her mind key and reveals to her everything and is going to use the memory key on her so that she remembers what happens. And I think that was one of the most necessary things that had to happen out of this season because – she was going to go insane if they didn't do that. So Dave, I'll, I'll turn it to you, your thoughts, things that you pulled out of this episode, uh, this, this season two finale. Yeah. I think it mirrored the season one finale in a lot of ways. And that, you know, halfway through the episode, it seems like everything's resolved and everything's going to be great. And then they spend the back half of the episode setting up for season three, doing stuff like Tyler's going to go away to try and process his grief over the loss of Jackie, um, that's not surprising given everything that's going on, um, you know. But the the big thing with Tyler is he's rapidly approaching eighteen as well. 
and seems like he's of the opinion, I don't want to remember any of this shit. So he's going, you know, that's going to be a, a big thing moving forward in season three. Yeah, the f- climactic battle was very excellent. Um, you know, the good guys win. We assume Dodge is gone, but I think that might be an assumption we shouldn't make. You know, is Lucas really Lucas or is there residue of the demon there? Um, I think Scott has, at Kinsey's urging, decided that he's going to go to Rochester and go to film school. So you've got that going on with him. That relationship will take a, an interesting turn. And then, yeah, you've got at the end uh, with uh, with Josh's ancestor. Uh, what what was his name? Gideon? Is that what you said, Tony? Frederick Gideon. Frederick Gideon. Yeah. He uh, you know, d- <laughs> lets Eden know in no uncertain terms by chucking her in the well that he's far worse than she is and is loose in the world so you've got it's not quite the the cliffhanger ending of season one because you really you know season one you realize oh shit dodge is still out there and this is going to get much worse here it's like we don't really know what gideon's uh aspirations are they can't be good because he's another demon um i think the biggest thing that still kind of resonates with me from this is okay ellie pulls herself out from behind the omega door gideon does as, as well so the understanding of what happens on the other side, so to speak, is still very unknown to us at this point. But I thought it was well, a very good. He, he pulled himself out from the other side of the Omega door. I thought Eden summoned him. I think Eden summoned him, but because Eden opens the door to the well and calls his name, and then he comes out. Right, and then Ellie. We don't know how she pulled herself out of the rubble, but she did. Um, As so. I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's set up for an interesting season three. I know we're going to talk Netflix stuff later on, but I think you shared something earlier in the week that they are actually filming season three. So that's encouraging. Confirmed and currently filming. So that is, that is a thing that will happen. Unlike many other Netflix series. Uh, But I liked, I liked the end. I thought the season finale was strong. I thought the entire season for the most part was strong. Um, It wasn't as good as season one. We're going, to get, we're going to get to that in a second. So hold that thought okay. on overall feelings of season two. Let's stick to the episode. Tony, your thoughts, things that you pulled out of this episode um, that you enjoyed, like what were some highlights for you? Well, here, here's a little glimpse into the conversation Dave and I had immediately after we both finished watching last week. Okay. Um, let's give Dave kudos because he was right that Ellie was coming back and that Nina um, was going to, you get the head key and be able to know magic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I, I was right in the fact that I, in a, in a way I, I said last week that the cliffhanger title doesn't mean that the end of this episode is going to be necessarily a giant cliffhanger. It's more mentioned because of what happens on the cliff in this episode. So oh, Ray, like it or Ray not, But I, I mean, Tyler's going to come back and they're going to have to make it. He'll come back and they'll treat him as if magic doesn't exist because he won't know it exists anymore. But there will come a time in the next season where they're going to have to convince themselves to convince him to use that key because they'll need his help again. So that's that's my bold prediction for next year. Um, as much as I soured on a, a couple episodes at the end of this season, I thought the finale was really well done. So I enjoyed it. I am looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to the changes. I'm mostly looking forward to Bodie getting older another year or two or however fast they go. 
and him still being in the prime of knowing magic and being ultimately and visibly the most powerful one with all the keys. Yeah, I think that Bodhi has always been central to this whole to the whole story. And I mean, I don't think they've done anything to to make that uh, any level of a mystery. Uh, Josh steps away at the end of this season too. Is Josh a one-off for this season, or is he coming back? He says he's going to come back, but you never know with shows like this. Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, his his involvement seems central midway through the season, and then by the end, it's like almost an afterthought. Right. And I mean, again, I do wonder, because we think that Frederick Gideon is his ancestor, whether or not that, that comes into play for him well, in season two. I guess yeah, possible. I, Gideon could go find him and, and that's where he could be, you know, how's that? I mean, I just had that feeling all along that Josh was, evil. Hey, I don't know if I'd call him evil. That is just so evil. much. He's misguided. Evil. Uh, like, you know, he's, he's grieving. I mean, you can call him an evil putting you yeah. uh, by the end of, by the end of season three, Patrick O'Dowd will also be calling Josh evil. All right. Well there, now that's a bold prediction. So we'll uh, we'll have to see how that one pans out because maybe so, maybe so. Overall, Tony, and I'll start with you because you you kind of rode season two in waves. Like you on this series uh, on the on last week's episode, I do believe, we're like, I kind of hope this is done after season three. Is that where you still sit now after the season finale, or? Did season two redeem itself in sort of its ups and downs enough for you to be like, ah, maybe there's something after season three. It has made me more interested in watching season three and hoping that they can do something real nice and tight with 10 episodes and finish the story. Cause I I'm, I'm good. Three seasons. I think here would be good enough. Maybe in a few years you come out with a movie. If there's that much interest with it still, you could make even more money that way. But as far as the, the series goes, yeah, if it's three seasons, that's fine. Um, I don't know. I think they're going to have trouble carrying a brand new story arc like they've set themselves up for over 10, 10 episodes and keep my interest the entire time. But I'll be watching. Excellent. Because you're not a layabout like Ray Cash. Dave, watch the show, man. That's all I'm saying. You're on the show. We review the show. Watch the show. I would watch the show, but y'all finish. Y'all finish talking about it. You had time, sir. Dave, your overall thoughts of season two. I I like season two a lot. I didn't like it as much as season one. That was quite the pregnant pause there, man. Like, well, I, had to, like, yeah, I had to think you're... about how I wanted to, to put this. I did not enjoy it as much as season one. Uh, there are elements of it that are excellent. There's no doubt about that. The progression of the characters I thought was important, and I enjoyed that. Um immensely and and i think there were it, it did it did kind of take a darker turn in the back half of the season um you know there were some surprises jackie dying was a big surprise um certain things like that uh but i i, I enjoyed the season a lot i'm curious to see where they go with season three because it's not really a clearly defined like here's the, the you know where season one ended you knew where they were going to kind of go with season two and it was how we got there that was the important part here. It's like, okay, what is what is going to happen with Gideon? He's going to be the big bad. Is Dodge really gone, which I seriously doubt. Um, is there going to be a power struggle between those two in season three? So I, I enjoyed the season a lot. 
it didn't sour me on the series at all. I'm glad they're coming back for a third season. I, you know, as far as like tummy, tunny sentiment about they can end it at season three and I'll be fine. I'm going to reserve my judgment on that and see how things play out a little bit before I decide to pull the plug. But it was, it was a solid season. No, no question about that. I'm glad we invested the time to go through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are correct. Well, I've, I've completely forgot about this, but one other little, just, I don't know if it's a subtlety, but it's something that you, even in this last episode of the season, you're still learning rules about the keys and the fact that Duncan could control the demons that controlled everybody was awesome. Wow. What happened there? Well, it's funny because I had oh, mentioned, I think like, I think it, in like, here's where, here's Ray's turn to get involved. It's me. Oh, um, remember how I'd said something about the whole Ultron comparison about Hank Pym putting something as a backdoor into Ultron. So it turns out Duncan did inadvertently have a backdoor sort of control over the demons that he didn't even realize he had it. But in the end, they listened to him and not Gabe. And that's what turned the tide of the battle. So, yeah, it's it's kind of um, that was a cool part, you know, to see, oh, Duncan's in control of these bastards. Of All right, this is my buzzing sound is going to go on for a bit in the background here. I'm sorry. I love technology. Got a bad fan or something going on with my computer. Uh-oh. So, yup, it's time for a new one. Wow. Now it sounds like, can you, can you hear it? Like the bad engine, like slowly slowing down. Is that what's going on? A little bit, which only means your computer's about to overheat. So, uh, it looks yeah. like, it looks like oh, the decathlon's oh. getting postponed again. <laughs> The bandwagon will persevere, gentlemen. Anyway, I just got to break down and save all my damn passwords and then re-download everything on a new laptop because I got a Chromebook waiting for me. My overall thoughts on this season, and oh, there it's gone, just like that. Um, my overall thoughts on this season are that it was about three episodes too many. I, I think this really needed to be about a seven episode season because I look back on the first half of season two and it was it was okay, but it was pretty slow in development. And I think that was the thing is like I felt like the first half of the season really kind of dragged and probably was why I didn't mind doing two episodes at a time to kind of wrap this thing up. And, you know, and it's for it is fortunate that we've got another show kicking off this Friday that Ray Cash probably hasn't watched either. And, um, what show is that, sir? The Witcher. Oh, you haven't shit. watched that. Oh, shit. And you got a week, sir, to catch up and watch episode one. You <laughs> don't need watch to watch that with your, Don't watch The Witcher with your kids. Yeah, you, you really shouldn't do that. Yeah, right. Ill-advised. Get like a bottle of wine and just, you know, turn the lights down low and kind of just watch no, The well, Witcher season well, one. Well, Slow down, slow down, slow down. Wow, Dave, just telling your business, huh? Now we know what Dave did all, and that's uncomfortable uh, for me. But, and for Tony and Ray as well, I'm sure. Back to Lock and Key season two finale. I felt like, yeah, that it was really slow. We could have probably sliced out about three episodes and been just just as effective. But the build in the last four episodes of the season... And, and maybe even just the last three, that action was was great and really upped the stakes and picked up the pace and, and made it a worthwhile venture. 
That's going to close the book on Lock and Key Season 2. And as we just mentioned, Ray gets to sit out unless he can get off his duff, his raven-loving ass, watch some Witcher. I'm just saying, get, get up there, toss a coin to your Witcher because The Witcher Season 2, highly anticipated by the masses, is about to hit Netflix on Friday. I've seen, the, I've and, seen the witch is and Ray good reviews so far for Witcher season two. They gave the critics six episodes and coming back with good reviews so far. I've seen the witch is with Roald Dahl. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. What you want to see is the witcher. Cause you can then see David's man crush with his flowing white locks. Henry Cavill himself as Geralt destroying evil denizens and having odd sexual tension with the witch Yennefer. <laughs> you quite, know, quite, quite scrumptious she is. By by engaging in intercourse, is that odd sexual tension? That's true. But then, well, it's like we, we have to be together, but we can't be together. We can't love, but we love. It's a little, it's a little young adultish. A little Jedi ish there, too. But so, so Dave. How how hyped are you? We're gonna we're gonna play some hype train stuff a little bit today. We get uh, a little bit later in the show as well. But how ready are you for season two of The Witcher? This is well over a year in the making, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I I mean, this is such a massive week coming up, and I know we're gonna talk about you know the big thing, of course, coming up this week. But I I think the Marvel yeah, DC one. Well, totally. that that too. But uh, there's a little movie coming out this week that that we probably want to talk about. But I'm. I'm excited for Witcher season two. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously a series impacted by COVID. Um, you know, a lot of them are. Pat, are you still watching Wheel of Time? I don't mean to switch the subject abruptly. On yeah, it. episode by episode, yeah. So, like, this week on Wheel of Time, if you watch the behind-the-scenes one, it was really great because this was a really powerful episode of Wheel of Time this week, and they talked about how the behind-the-scenes, this was the last episode they filmed before COVID shut them down. So they're all talking about the world changing as the world is actually changing around them. And, you know, The Witcher went through the same sort of cycle with um, you know just trying to get this season done. So it's been a long time coming. It's obviously been delayed like everything else. But, um, yeah, just I, I'm super excited. And, you know, this the critics have been good about not spoiling spoiling anything. But all the early reviews are really, really strong. And that's got to be encouraging. So, yeah, it's one of. One of the first, it was the first series we reviewed after Mandalorian. And I'm just, I'm, you know, it's not just Henry Cavill. It's just a great story. So what is Ray, Fern Gully Ray? Is that, is that what, yeah, okay. When they get the Fern Gully animated series, um, I'm in. My boy. I try so hard to endear you to the audience. And then you just do stuff like this. It hurts. Sorry. Would you would look, would you rather die and be a hero or live and be a villain? I'm alive, baby. Not exactly how the saying goes, Ray, but you know. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, tomato potato. Tomato what tomato potato what is wrong tomato potato if we weren't if we weren't starting a series that would be the name of this podcast but we're starting a series this week and I've always been given feedback that I should lead with the with the big headliner so all right there you have it folks that's going to do it for our season two review of Lock and Key we're going to take a quick commercial break and hit all kinds of news 
a little bit of trailer park, a little bit of news around the nerdosphere, a little bit of hype train. It's going to be exciting. I'm very, very, I'm, I'm very, very stoked for this. So stick around when we come back. All the news that is news in the nerdosphere. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, welcome back, everyone. And Dave, I, I'm a little so I moved the I moved the rundown around a little bit and shifted some stuff up before the second second commercial break that was listed after the second commercial break. So this is actually like a mashup of news around the nerdosphere and the trailer park. But the first thing we are going to do is we are going to venture our way into the trailer park. So I need you to help me out and cue up some of that beautiful banjo music right now and get us into the trailer park. Here we are. Welcome into the trailer park. And we only got three trailers this week. Two of them coming out of this past week's video game awards, which I didn't know was happening this week. Did you guys know this was going on? Was was anybody else aware of this? Dave's saying no, Ray's no. DP probably knew. Tony? Oh, D- <laughs> D- DP was all over it, but he's not here on the show. So, well, what good was he to us? I tried to ask DP about it. And he just big time, sweet Tony. Just letting you know, he's big time. Uh, no, he's got that well, giant. He wasn't, on, he wasn't even on the DWI podcast this last week. He's Apparently, you too. Uh, all right. Well, Chris Dang. Platt was making, Chris Platt told us that, you know, he was offended that um, Chris kept calling him a redhead and, and he's not a redhead. So he said that he was having his hair dyed. Um, this week. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you would want to be offended being called a redhead, Patrick. I think you look like a perfectly lovely, uh, middle-aged man. Thank you. I'm I no. a lovely middle-aged man. Yes. I, no, I mean, no lies detected. No. Yeah. 
I am also up, up said club now for a few, uh, you know, right, like, almost a year. I, I mean, I actually I think you, you're 40, you're definitely middle aged. <laughs> right. Like, I, I like to believe I'm reasonably attractive. I uh, yeah, the audience agree. Yeah. No, no lies detected. What, somebody, um, somebody, somebody agrees you got a kid. Right. Yeah. Like, there you go. Anyway. <laughs> I'm actually going to turn this first trailer over to Dave because we got a we got our first official trailer of the upcoming Halo series on Paramount Plus, and Dave went, "God damn it, Dave! Why did you go? God damn it!" Because now I got to get Paramount Plus. That's oh, uh, that's how they get you, man. Right? Look, so yeah. here's the, here's the thing: I know absolutely nothing. I've never played Halo before in my life. I know it is a very popular game. I don't even know the premise of Halo. Like that is that because not only am I a reasonably attractive middle-aged man, I'm an out-of-touch <laughs> middle-aged man. So Dave, as an in-touch upper middle-aged man, not wow, quite. like right away, didn't even need to go there. Just rude. Spoo yourself. Where's I got powers? I, I don't you think you're getting no. booed. No, no, I expected what. Hold on, the folks are getting ready to boo you. Still looking. It's going to happen. Still All right, that's my one. I get one. I'm done. Tell me about Halo and why you're excited for this trip. Well, okay. So Halo, if you remember the video game project, Halo Combat Evolved. It's my number two video game of all time, Um, which should tell you. And I know, I think DP had it somewhere in like his top 10 or something like that. Um, He's played a lot of Halo. Yeah, it's, it's primarily a first-person shooter with this great story, although there have been some um, real-time strategy games involved. I'm actually playing Halo Wars a little bit here and there. Interesting game. Um, But you got to kind of go through all that to get the story. But the general gist of it is you've got the humans who are colonizing space and stuff like that. They run into this race of aliens called the Covenant. And the Covenant have some really badass... Uh, creatures called elites and and a bunch of other minions that are, are I mean, like yeah, you play Halo One. Anybody who's fought a hunter knows all about what the hell they're about. So that's generally what the series is about. Um, and it looks like we're starting off here. And the thing I love about the trailer was it felt like a Star Wars trailer. I mean, the scenery felt like a Star Wars trailer. The space vehicles felt like a Star Wars trailer. And then you get the iconic shot of the Master Chief which is the last thing you see. And the Halo's got, you know, like similar to Star Wars, an extended universe involving books and all sorts of other medium that expand the story greatly. So there's a lot that they can do with this story, but uh, I don't expect them to regurgitate what's in the game because play the game and you'll get the story all to yourself. So this is going to be a a deeper dive into the Halo universe. Um, But Let's just say there's a lot of material they can draw from. And and if they're actually putting in, and you look at this trailer and you look at the special effects and it's like, wow, this really looks impressive. Um, I'm very excited. And yeah, that's why I said, damn it. Because yeah, I look at that trailer. I'm going to have to get Paramount Plus just to watch this thing. So um, Halo's a huge one of the, I mean, you're talking about if it was, if it's not for Halo, there is no Xbox Series X because Xbox dies without the Halo franchise. And um, Tony's saying maybe, but I would say probably. I don't know. We'd have to get DP on here. But anyway. It's a, I mean, that's a bold statement. I don't know that it dies, but maybe it doesn't take off the way that it takes off. That might be. If you mean 
if you mean the Xbox dies as the concept of Xbox and Microsoft does something different, then I would maybe agree with you. But yeah. the fact that Microsoft wouldn't continue to put oh, out no. a gaming platform doesn't make sense. Right. Frey, I'm going to let you jump in on this. Uh, again, I'm not a big Halo guy. I don't even know if you're a big Halo guy, but your thoughts on this trailer and if you have any comments on the Halo franchise, uh, those as well. Well, first off, I am a PlayStation guy. So uh, luckily my best friend was uh, a Microsoft guy. So th- that was what we did. So that he bought all... Sorry? You're a PlayStation guy. You're a PlayStation guy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there you go. Thank you for that. Um, but so he would get all the stuff for uh, Xbox. I get all the stuff for PS4 or PS5 or whatever PlayStation it was, and we just go to just houses and do stuff. I hated Halo because I suck at first-person shooters because I'm blind. Um, so, but anybody can tell that number one, it has a very unique backdrop. It two, it has a very interesting story if you actually play the game. And three, and I think which is most important to the uh, making of the show, is visually it's stunning. That's the one thing I can think of when I think of that when I saw that trailer was I don't care what they're talking about, I don't care what the show is about. Y'all got me alone interested on based based on how beautiful this that this trailer looks and how amazing the world is or what the the moon or whatever they're 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 on, Dave. But it's so. With trailers for me, the way you get me interested is it's got to be something that makes me say, oh, and that made me say, oh. And so even though I've never been the biggest fan of Halo, I may give this a look. I will say it feels weird that this is on Paramount Plus. Doesn't this feel like a Netflix or a, a Prime or like a bigger level show? And no, no diss to Paramount because they're trying their best to up their game. But it just feels like weird to put that there. I, I mean, don't forget Paramount Plus is the CBS arm, so it's not sure. like like CBS. I mean, Marvel or not Marvel. Paramount Plus also has you know like Nickelodeon, Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. You know the content. I think everybody's trying to scoop up content. Like everybody's trying to scoop up IPs, mm-hmm. trying to buy rights. That's that's the game right now in streaming services. And frankly, there's just not enough room for the big three to scoop up everything as much as we we think there is like i just i don't know that it's a property that they clearly the other you know apple disney netflix hbo see whatever hbo really cared to go after so well and how do we not how do we know whether or not it was pitched to all these other streaming services as well and the best deal was just from or maybe the most creative freedom was from said streamer so Haps a lot. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It could have been shopped around, and Paramount's the one that said yes, and Greenlight, too. Like, That's a great point. There's all That's kinds of ways point. that this could have gone, but I'm intrigued. Uh, full discretion, I'm, it's not going to be the top of my list of things to watch, because I just don't have the connection to the video game series that a lot of other folks do. Tony, what are your thoughts about this trailer? How did you think it looked? Um, and are you going to watch Halo on Paramount Plus? I mean, first of all, the game is kind of known as well for its imagery in a lot of the storytelling it does. So it makes sense in in and using a story that's pretty pretty decent, interesting story that kind of is different from a lot of the sci-fi things we've seen. To connect it built-in audience right away with the video game is great. I was not a big Halo guy. I did play 
fair amount. I am not also not good at games like that and bond, um, uh, the 007 game and things of that nature. Um, I dabble in it once in a while. Like I said, this looks interesting, but there are so many things to watch right now on all the things that we do. So I, it's going to be hard pressed for me to get there unless Dave and DP, cause I'm sure DP will watch it as well. Go listen, this is something you really, really need to watch, but that's where I'm at with that. Go ahead, Ray. I just want to say, I'm, I think we're all with the exception of Dave. I think we're all on the same page, but I think there are some shows that have something so overtly unique to it that it would breed some interest of, I might need to check this out. I, 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 I'm I not so interested in the story like you guys are, but if this show is so visually stunning like it looks in the trailer, that is so more visually stunning than almost anything else out in the same sphere, then that may cause me to say, all right, let me take a second and watch a couple of episodes and see where it goes. Yeah, I think you guys are, you know, anybody who's a PlayStation, pre- predominantly a PS, I mean, back in the day, it was a PS2 when uh, when Halo came out. Um mm-hmm. You know, if you're a Sony guy and haven't played this game, it's not going to resonate with you the same as it would with like DP or I who have gone through and experienced the emotional stuff that happens in the story. Um, you know, one of the greatest opening scenes of video game history is Halo 2. So, you know, for people like us, it's going to it's going to resonate differently. But, yeah, hopefully they can appeal to a broader audience, because otherwise, if you're just appealing to video game fans, maybe not the as far as you're looking to go with this thing. But uh, it it has the potential to be excellent. Yeah, give me a Final Fantasy series and I'll be that that actually works and I'd be on board. So, all right. That actually gonna, works. Thank you for adding that. That actually works. That, that is the the key component there. All right, we're going to close the book on that one and we're going to move to a trailer I know Ray Cash was interested in because Ray and I talked about this series a lot. Netflix dropped another more detailed trailer for cobra kai season four i think dave is caught up on it now tony i don't know if you ever watched no you're not caught up on cobra kai i thought you watched it dave i'm watching it i'm not not there yet all right those those episodes are like 30 minutes long get it done tony's got the thumbs up no oh no that's right embrace that boo embrace that boo all right, so Ray and I are very excited about this. Uh, I'm going to let Ray go after I, I talk about this. Here's the thing that that excites me about this trailer is we just got a better idea of what the scene. Like, we knew that they were bringing back the Terry Silver character from Karate Kid Part 3, uh, the guy who pushes Daniel LaRusso to a, a level of, uh, of violence and anger that had been hitherto unseen. He was the anti-Mr. Miyagi. That was really his role in the Karate Kid Part 3. And they have brought him back to team up with John Kreese over and running the Cobra Kai Dojo now that Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso have teamed up to form one dojo, basically to combat one another in the All Valley. And we we get a lot more Terry Silver in this. We get a lot more... There, there's a lot more of the relationship about how Johnny and Daniel are going to to try and learn from each other and teach from each other, while at the same time, Crease and Silver are clearly going to try to drive a wedge between them to to keep them apart uh, because they know that the, you know the best way to defeat them is to split them up. Uh, complicate that with the addition of Daniel or not Daniel, so Johnny's son. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Defecting to Robbie. Cobra. 
Robbie Keane. See, I know this. Defecting to Cobra Kai and in the trailer is teaching them what he learned out of Miyagi-Do so that they can combat that. It, It really sets up. And here's the thing is, I don't binge watch a lot of series. Like I don't, I'm not like a lot of folks. Like I, I just don't have it in my DNA. Cobra Kai is the only show that like when I started it, I, I was hard pressed to find a place to stop until I was done. And that speaks a lot for a YouTube series. that's now on Netflix. Ray, your thoughts on this trailer and how amped are you before we go to Dave and then Tony, who's not going to watch it. First off, Terry effing silver, like, Wow, that's big. Silver-haired Terry Silver now, right? Silver-haired. Can, can, I, can I give a shout-out to the fact that these guys love these characters so much that 30, 40 years later, they're still putting their all behind it? I think that is so dope, that this world that they've built is so magnanimous to them and to us that it still resonates enough for them to come back and play the same role again 30, 40 years later. Um, but yes, uh, it's really cool. And for those for those of us who actually were really into the original Karate King, Karate Kid, maybe a bit cathartic to see Johnny and Danny working together for the same goal. Um, but there's one part of, of the trailer that I think is very, very maybe more profound than it has any business being. And it's when Robbie is teaching the Miyagi-Do and he's talking. I can't remember what he's talking to, but he says, uh, everybody seems to think you only have to fight one way uh, since they crease. You, he's talking to Danny, you, my dad. And that lets me know that like he is the only one of everybody in his entire show who realizes that I don't have to do it one way. And I feel like that's going to be a precursor and something big and profound going into the end of the show. And Dave, tell me if you think I'm wrong, Pat, if you think I'm wrong, it feels like this is going to be the last season because I don't know where else you could go from here. It feels like this is like the trump card of seasons there's and one so like they're gonna put everything out yeah i haven't seen season three i my wife and i are talking about you know going on a, on a binge because she wants to watch she was i was watching some of it this morning and she's like i gotta get caught up with this it's like yeah you do um the only place i could see them going would be mike barnes showing up at the end of season four or something like that uh i thought you were gonna say hillary swank no that never happened ray that movie never happened there's rumors she's gonna show up so oh, I, it's not a spoiler there's just rumors i, I mean, don't know i but. could see you know barnes showing up or something like that because i mean you go online and there's speculation could could johnny lawrence have beaten mike barnes and all this kind of shit i'm like i don't know uh it, it does feel like everything's everything's kind of funneling towards this tournament from the trailer that who you know something's going to happen in the tournament that's going to re- reconcile all this stuff. But I think, yeah, Robbie's probably the key to this. And I, I don't know mm-hmm. how he, and I, I'm, I can't wait to get to the point to see, you know, Robbie right now where I am in the middle of season two, firmly in, in, in Miyagi Do status. Um, I know things happen with Miguel. I know that. And, and that kind of transforms Robbie a bit, but uh, it, it, it does feel like this will be the final season. I kind of hope not. But like, you know, we're going to talk Netflix soon. If Netflix is in charge of this whole thing, yeah, I don't know that you're going to get a fifth season out of this. We'll we'll get to that in a second. We we keep doing this. Stop playing that game. Um, Because that it's gotten four seasons tells you that they have enough faith in it to give it a fifth if they want to do a fifth. That that's and that's really the difference. And and the season's coming fast too. Right. Like. They, they get watched, they get binged, and, and it's it's very it's done very well. So 
I I think that this the other big mystery is something is going to change about the All Valley Tournament. They don't tell you what that change is, so I'm excited to see what that looks like as well because that was that was you know that was the ultimate like that was what you looked for and and I never saw the Hillary Swank Karate Kid that didn't exist. Good, neither um, did I. Neither did I. I also just don't think it fits with the narrative of the story that they've told with Cobra Kai, you know, because it really has been the Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence story. It hasn't, you know, and the Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do story. Cobra Kai, from what I understand, wasn't in that next Karate Kid movie, right? No, no, I don't think so. Maybe. But I think the only con- the only connection I think is that you can see Danny trying harder and harder and harder to reconnect to to Mr. Miyagi. He went to Japan to do that. And there's only one other person who is in his shoes that he hasn't seen yet that can probably understand where he's coming from. That's Hillary Swank. That may be the connection for the little one episode cameo or whatever it is. Yeah, but there's so many people who don't even acknowledge that as being part of the canon, even if it is. That's fair. That's fair. Dave, Dave, what we think doesn't matter if they show up in that show. Like it doesn't matter. Well, they brought everybody. Like, like Ray said, they've brought everybody else back. Anybody who's anybody who's still alive has been brought back on that show. So if they if they brought her back for like a two episode stint, a la the way they did with Ali, a la yeah. the way they did with um, what was what's his name, the Japanese chosen the episodes chosen. Like, sure, they can they can do all that. So, yeah, I think anything's possible. I just don't know that it's necessary. I'd agree all with right. that. Let's go to the last trailer in the trailer park before we head into our, our one sort of news topic. And this was a trailer that the little O'Dowd was to say he was amped. I'd say he was more amped for this trailer than any recent Marvel trailer I've shown him because the first trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 dropped. And outside, I, I take it back. Spider-Man No Way Home. We watched that trailer, like, or not Spider-Man No Way Home, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, or Across the Spider-Verse. He was like, we watched the trailer, and he was like, okay, we got to watch that again. This one, he didn't say, we got to watch that again. But when Knuckles shows up in in the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer, the little the little O'Dowd marked out. Um, I went and saw the first one in the theater with my kid. It was a lot of fun. This trailer... Looks like it's going to be another round of a lot of fun. I do think that Jim Carrey was an absolute perfect casting for Dr. Egghead. Uh, just, it looks great. We got to hear Idris Elba voicing Knuckles for the first time. We got to see Tails. Just a little bit of everything. I'm ready to go. Tony, you've lowered the microphone. Your thoughts on Sonic the Hedgehog Part 2, that trailer. Did you even watch Part 1? I'm assuming it doesn't strike me as a tiny movie. I love the video game. I mean, I was a big Sega guy after Nintendo. That was my progression. Um, and I, and I, I don't mind it being a movie. I haven't seen the first one. There's just another thing that I have zero intentions. I I'll be honest with you. I just read the rundown in the first five minutes of the show. I, I bought a new TV this morning and I've been setting that up all morning. So my apologies. Your apologies, huh? That's what I say to your apologies. I mock your apologies, sir. I laugh at them. Well, they were, they were, they were, they were. Oh, they, 
I, I wasn't really sorry. It was just kind of, you know. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Sorry, there, that's for Ray. Because Ray got all mad that I threw him off with with just the with with the laughter. There you go, Ray. Do you feel better? Dave, did you watch the Sonic the Hedgehog Part 2 trailer with your non-plussed face? I'm going to say it didn't get the Halo love that that it deserved. Uh, I watched the trailer, but I didn't see the first Sonic. So, um, I like the trailer. It looks it looks fun. You've got the introduction of more Sonic characters, which is always a good thing. But I, I you know, I, I should have watched the first one after the after it got you know some good critical reviews and good fan reviews. I just never got around to it. I'm going to say this straight up: it's better than it had any right to be. Like, like I remember going to that. Like I went to that movie in the theater with the little O'Dowd because. He was like, oh, my gosh. He was me as a little kid when I made my parents go to some of the worst movies of all time. I'm looking at you, Super Mario Brothers. I'm looking at you, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I took my parents to those movies. Yeah, those movies were shit. Guess what? I thought they were brilliant as a kid. And my kid thought Sonic was brilliant. And I remember watching that being like, this is kind of fun. I think this is this is totes adorbs. Ray, did you see this? Did you see Sonic? Um, and if you didn't, what did you think of, of Sonic the Hedgehog 2? I not only have seen Sonic, but I purchased and, and owned the Sonic movie. As do I. At the, res- at the request of one little O'Dowd, we yes. own Sonic 2. The little, the little cachettes are quite fans of uh, the Sonic movie. You're getting all kinds of applause today. You're, you're, you're- the little cachettes. I mean, are, are they like the Rockettes now, Ray, or, or what's going on over I there? I mean, I, you know, I like what Patrick does with the little O'Dowd, so I wanted to, I wanted to follow in my fearless leader's footsteps. I not no, you don't get cheers for that one. Okay, you know, right. so, well, so, I tried. It's not earned you cheers. Uh, <laughs> but no. So first and foremost, the first the first movie was, I I love the first movie. I think it is so cute. I think it is so fun. I think it is so redeemable, especially on rewatches. And you you hit it on the head. Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik is so good. And Jim Carrey has a, t- a, a, a huge tendency to overact. And this is the situation in which it makes sense, because if you've ever seen Dr. Robotnik on the games or on the cartoons, he fits right in. So to see them flip to, see, to, to the second one, my only fe- – well, I guess this is a fear – and uh, hope in the same breath. The the second one looks more like a video game than the first one. The first one had an actual story behind it. It gave a purpose for the rings. It gave a reason why he landed in in in, in uh whatever the city was, um, Blue Valley or whatever it was out there. They gave a reason for that. Like there was purpose for everything. Uh, this one just looks like it's just a, it's just a, it's just a video game. And I'm sure that'd be fun to watch. But what made Sonic so fun and redeemable for me was that it wasn't the kids just enjoyed the the stunts and the craziness. The adults enjoyed the fact that you gave things a purpose. You know what I mean? So I wonder how they're going to do that here. But Knuckles and Tails and like OG Dr. Robotnik with the bald head and the, and the mustache. I'm here for it. I just wish they would have made Jim Carrey 700 pounds or however big Robotnik is. Uh, I think you need Jim Carrey's lanky physicality to be Jim Carrey uh, and to play that out a little bit. So I'm down with him not being actually shaped like an egg. 
I'm okay with the video game look because they they did introduce this sort of multiverse mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of characters with with Sonic's origins. So from that perspective, it doesn't bother me that much at all, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of here for it. So yeah, just it looks like a lot of fun. Kids are gonna have a great time. Little the littles are all for it. little Odad, the little caches. We're all ready to see this and we're going to be at the theater um but before we go to the theater for that do the dogs have their tickets dave yeah they're little on guards care they're ready ray did you get your tickets i haven't bought them yet because i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i can get them same day i'm going friday i'm going either thursday night or friday morning so don't don't trust me i'm gonna see it but i'm pretty sure where where i'm gonna go they're not sold out Tony, have you shot sought out your cheap Tuesday tickets yet? I I don't have to worry about that. I'm off the 24th through the 28th, and I have a pretty busy schedule till then. So I will see the movie in that time period uh, in my five days off. All right. Well, here we are on Sunday. We are five days away from the premiere of probably the most anticipated Marvel movie since Endgame. Would that be hyperbolic? Do you think that's Not an all. statement? Not at all. Not at all. What do we want out of this movie? We'll start with the guy who wants the least out of this movie, PC Tunney. What do you want out of a three-hour Spider-Man in multiverse movie, No Way Home, coming our way? I I will be going to see this, though, in the theater, just so you know. Um, But I will be waiting till, till my time off because work's pretty busy up until that point. But... I don't know what I really want from it. I, I just I just want it to be good. You know, I think the fact that you tell people that it's a Spider-Man movie and then you go, well, you know, Dr. Strange, and they just, they think of another Spider-Man movie and they go, well, and I go, well, Dr. Strange is in it, you know, if you haven't been keeping up and letting them know what's happening. And then they're like, well, that I might have to go see. So I think, you know, more of the same dynamic and things of that nature, but I, it's just going to be another good uh, Marvel movie. And hopefully I can, Hopefully they'll still have a 3D showing by the time I go see it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that. That'll be that'll be in there. I did less than that's what like two weeks after it's come out, it'll still have 3D it, shows. Not so, even. I could go Christmas Eve, so it'd be one week later. Oh yeah, totally. Dave, jump on your high train for Spider-Man: No Way Home. <clears throat> well, I got tickets to see it on Saturday. I think roughly around the same time you're going to see it, Pat. Time zones, kind of trying to accommodate for that man um i you know there's so much hype for this thing there's been so many things dropped um things i want to see i i just want to see a good solid story something that makes sense a way to manage all these characters that um doesn't it doesn't feel like you know the problems they had with spider-man 3 where it just felt so disjointed that sort of thing i want to see them pull that off yeah i do want to see toby I, I want, you know, I, I'm one of these people who think that Andrew Garfield's going to be in there. And I even have an idea where I think he's showing up. That whole scene where MJ's falling and that spider hand reaches out for her. I think that's going to be Andrew Garfield who catches her to redeem himself from what happened with Gwen. Um, but more importantly than that, yeah, I just want to see a good story that is a good launch pad for the future of the Spider-Man franchise at this point. I, I, I'm not looking for some all-encompassing thing that is going to have every possible avenue into Phase 5 figured out. 
Give me something that progresses the Spider-Man franchise in a meaningful way, introduces a few surprises, creates some more theories for fans like us, and have it all make sense, and I'll be fine. Bray? Two things. Jump on the high train. Two, two, and they're very simple, very quick. One, I want to see the Spiders 3. I just need that one shot where they're all together at one point. And I don't even need them in the movie for the whole time. I just want to see it. Two, I need to see the future of the multiverse. Because we know there's been, if you count What If as canon, the three projects back to back to back that have just explored the, the opening or changing of the, four if you count Venom, of the multiverse. So... I this is the big movie that this is leading towards, and then I know Doctor Strange and the, and the Multiverse of Madness is going to kind of like be the cap to it. I want to see by the end of this movie have let us have some idea, or at least give us some hints or something to some morsel to go on of what the future of the multiverse is. Are X Men coming? Are the multiverses mixing? Are they going back to their own things? Like I, I just that's what I want to have an idea of at the end of this movie. Two things, and uh, and then it's got to be good, right? This has a legit chance to. I don't know if it'll be the end game, but it's got a chance to beat Avatar. It, it does have the potential. It could be. It could be terrific. It could be a clunker. Still waiting on reviews, right? Yeah, you haven't, haven't seen, heard any yet. I haven't seen any yet. Hmm. Are, am I missing something? Have you seen no, some? I, I haven't either. But I'm not. I'm not even one to look for that type like, of stuff. So the, I just thought that's interesting. Not even the reviews before the reviews. So there's always that period where before they can actually put their full review out, you'll see this like Twitter train of people that are like, just got out of Spider-Man No Way Home. And all I can say is, you know, oh, my God, or this is fun. You're really going to enjoy it. Like nothing. So Marvel and we talked about this was Dave, was it you? It was either you or Ray that shared that. There was some rumor that they only got to see a portion of the movie. I, I don't know that I buy that because how do you review a movie if you've only seen an hour of it, for example? But yeah, there were rumors that Sony was only releasing like 60% of it or something like that and keeping the other because they want to try and hide whatever some big thing is. And they know if anybody sees it, you know, keeping a secret on the internet's impossible. Well, that's the thing is I so I seriously thought for a long time about do I bite the bullet and watch a movie until three o'clock in the morning and see it on Thursday? Because I just know what social media is going to be Friday and Saturday. And I'm not seeing this movie until Saturday. And I'm terrified. Like, this is one of the few times, and we're not a spoiler-free show. Like, we're not a spoiler-free podcast. Which, by the way, good listener, just plan on next week. If you don't want to be spoiled by Spider-Man No Way Home, know that myself, Ray, and Dave are probably going to want to talk about it on some level. We'll try to be respectful of Mr. Tunney, because he's going to see it later. But we, we've never been a spoiler-free podcast, and I don't see us starting now, but I this is one of the few times where I may go on a social media blackout for myself because I just don't want to miss the thing. I don't want to. I, I I want that moment. I want to see it. I want to. I want to be excited for it. 
I, I had this wild theory, and I, I don't know why. I don't even know it's a wild theory, but it's just a thought. What if Doctor Strange is the one that has no way home at the end of this movie? Hmm. That is that's that's something interesting to be said because we've we've kind of worked ourselves in the shoot something that you're very adamant that you talk about in a lot of situations, Pat. That the OG Spider-Mans and the multiverse and all the the Sinister Six essentially and the other villains, nobody's talked really about Doctor Strange's role in this movie, with the exception of breaking the multiverse because of the spell. Right. He's going to be a major part in this movie. And I doubt he's just there in the periphery. So that may be a great point. Maybe he is lost. Maybe that's why he's in the multiverse of madness. Something is up with him that I don't think we've put enough attention to. And that's a great point. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see. And we will know in five days. All right. Last topic for today. We've kind of danced around it a little bit. My one little bit of news around the Nerdosphere. No need for news music today, Dave. We're just going to jump right into it. I came across a couple of IGN articles, and I shared them with the group. And the first one that I shared was that it's being – the word on the street is – oh, Dave's got a finger up. Just one last thing about Spider-Man No Way Home. The embargo lifts at 10.30 p.m. on Monday, December 13th. Eastern time? Pacific time. Oh, well, Jesus Christ. So, like, two in the morning for me? That sucks. You just get up. Ray will be up. We know that. I don't want to wake up to that news. So, we'll know more Monday morning. By Tuesday, when this podcast drops, reviews and word will be out. That's what I'm hearing there. Okay. So, I shared this. Because this isn't even... I, I shared this news report from IGN. Because word out there is that after one season that ends on a cliffhanger... The Netflix live-action Cowboy Bebop series that they hyped and pushed hard, starring John Cho, has already been canceled and will not be renewed for a season two. Now, I haven't seen an official word out of Netflix. This is also the way that I learned about the cancellation of the Dark Crystal series, though, so it wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be true. Uh, but Cowboy Bebop, we hardly knew you. And I, I really, I haven't started watching this series. It's on my list, and I fully intend to watch it. I'm actually rewatching the anime series right now, interspersed amongst my holiday, uh, holiday show viewings. But this is another example, uh, and just another instance of a show quickly getting the axe on Netflix and. Again, I shared I shared an article with with you guys uh, about the why, but before before we kind of dig and I, I guess go ahead and de- dig deep into this, you know this is this is very much been a thing. Altered Carbon canceled after one season. I'm not okay with this. Canceled after one season. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance canceled after one season. V Wars Messiah. Now. Some shows get runs. Ozark, it's hitting its last season, uh, but at least it was announced that it was going to be a. Fi- they were going to get a final season to shoot. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, Dead to Me, The Crown, all getting final seasons. But at least they're they're kind of getting a lead to it. Before they, you know, the article talks about their their reason being really around viewership versus the cost to put the put the show out. Um, 
what do you guys think? What what is up? Why does why does Netflix insist on doing this? And is it a is it a good model for I don't know. I don't even know if calling it a good model is is the right way to describe it. Uh, Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it over to you. What why is this a thing? Well, they oh Tony's set. Um I think you know, in that article you shared, Pat, uh, the thing that struck me, jumped out at me immediately was Umbrella Academy has not been confirmed for a season three. Is, is did did I read that right? Or I mean, I figured they were already shooting that, but uh, it, they're almost finished with it. I don't believe that they because uh, all of them have talked about it. I've seen yeah. pictures of the cast we've holding ta- up season three stuff. It. Yeah, we've talked. They're about they're filming, but that. I, that was that that was the one thing wrong with Lock and Key. Like, yeah, Lock and Key. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, with, with Netflix, what they're really looking at is is clearly from that article, there is is some sort of metric that they're looking at that if a show is not immediately meeting that, whether it's a critical review, whether it's stream numbers, whether it's fan reception, if a show's not meeting that, they're pulling the plug very quickly. Um, and, and, you know, you read that article and, and I mean, I know as fond as uh, most of us are of Netflix, they are when you're pumping out the amount of content that they're pumping out, they're not invested in these shows. Like, you know, like prime is all in. I know we've talked about wheel of time, uh, the Lord of the rings. There's a lot of, uh, investment that, that streaming services like prime, like paramounts putting into halo, um, Netflix, man, it seems like they drop a new series every week. So they're seem to be taking the idea of quantity over quality which usually doesn't work out so well. And and they seem to be saying, if this isn't an immediate, like, you know, it's got all this buzz, then we're going to drop it. And Cowboy Bebop, uh, very mixed reviews. And and they're like, shit, we're not going to, we're well, not going to. It was polarizing amongst its fan base yeah. too, which is, was really, really interesting. Like, I think that there was a, in that specific instance, I think there was a bit of an underestimation of, of how that show was going to go over. Um, dark crystal, I think is all about the economics of it all. Um, because it's a very expensive show and it's a very, it it was a very, it's, it takes a long time to put an episode together. It's, it's almost South park is another good example of shows that like the reason those seasons are so short anymore is because it still takes a heck of a long time to make an episode. And I think that's why Matt and Trey jumped to this model with the Paramount Plus specials because they can actually put they can actually dedicate the time to get folks to watch. But it just it was it was interesting. It stood out to me uh, that it, you know Netflix seems to be the like forerunner and sort of cutting this off of the legs. You mentioned Wheel of Time. There is no certainty about Wheel of Time after season one. We don't know. Ray, what were your thoughts on? What are your thoughts on this quick cancel culture that Netflix seems to have with its shows? I I think that it's a big deal because it's been some shows that people liked. I remember when the rest of development got canceled and that was a big deal. And then Netflix bought it back. Like there's always some shows that people like that when it gets canceled, it becomes a bigger issue. But by and large, most shows on Netflix get two, three seasons, right? For the, and, and that article pointed out something that i think isn't talked about enough is that there is no platform streaming streaming wise that has the number of um original series that netflix does it's like by and large more than any other one they've said it's one is new one new one a week it's almost like three four new ones a week 
And like it's because Netflix is always looking for the next thing to hit. And so the more things you throw out there, the better chance you have of something working, right? And so the the one failure Netflix has to me is they don't they don't promote enough for me because some of these shows, while fantastic or good or enjoyable or whatever it is, may have worked better had they been promoted because I check Netflix regularly to see if there's something I like. And, you know, the only reason I know new, new shows are coming is because Netflix will give me that um, what's next um, icon, right? Or that uh, that um, that where you can see what's next and it's like 20 or 30 shows and it gives you a mini trailer or whatnot. But I think the model makes sense to me personally because we don't know the numbers. We don't see the numbers. It's not like you can go watch, check Nielsen to see what the numbers are doing. And there was one line in that that made so much business sense to me. And that was very often shows don't get more viewers after the second season. After the second season, it is what it is. So sometimes it's not even that the show isn't doing well. It's just it's, they've reached it's gone as far as they can go. And you said it yourself, Pat, from a from a cost analysis uh, point of view. Does it make more sense to keep going three more seasons at the same level or scrap that, put that much more money into a new show and see if that can go further. And because we're the fan base and because we care about the actual shows and not the business of the shows, it affects us differently. But it makes more sense to me because, like we've talked about in numerous other shows, Netflix doesn't have a base of a, a, a IP that they can pull from. HBO Max has all the Warner Brothers, has all of, of DC, has all of this, that, and the other. Disney Plus has Disney and Marvel and and Pixar and Net Geo and Star Wars. All these other ones have something to pull from. Everything Netflix has made is on their merit. They have either bought something or they've adapted something or they've paid people to create something. They always have to keep trying the next new thing, whereas all these other companies have IPs where they can say, you know what, push come to shove, we got the Harry Potter show coming out, we'll be all right. Push come to shove, well, you know what? There's a new Marvel show coming out in three weeks, three months. We'll be good. Netflix don't have that. So they have to do things that feels maybe wrong to us as fans, but they always have to be ahead of the curve to continue to stay fresh and relevant. And I think they've done a good job at doing that. Tony, your thoughts, anything to add to, to the Netflix conversation, axing shows after one season? There's so many fucking shows. What's <laughs> the difference, you know? <laughs> like, let's call the herd or whatever, man. That's, I guess, that's my. Uh... Call the herd. There you and go. There's, there's a title for the episode. There you it's go. not a title for the episode. We're not. We're, we have already decided the title of the episode. You don't own me. Not no more. You're not. I am my own man. All right. We're going to head off into our second commercial break and get to what will be the title of this episode as we've hit round one of the DC versus Marvel decathlon. Before we get to our recorded commercials, though, I do need to remind you all that, hey, it is the holiday season. And if you've got someone in your life that's looking for some great swag and loves the ChairShot Radio Network, or hey, maybe you just want to get them to listen to some of the podcasts on the ChairShot Radio Network. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds right now, and you're like, man, I bet you such and such would really love this. Think about investing in one of our awesome 
t-shirts over at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. In fact, we have a bandwagon nerds shirt. I'm wearing it today for the show. I'm that guy wearing the shirt to the podcast he's recording. I am totally selling out today. And you can help your friends get on the bandwagon as well by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Say you don't want a bandwagon nurture. We've got all, all kinds of other great designs. We've got our chair shot logos, the OG chair shot logos. We've got sayings from various shows. We've got hashtag journalism. We've got hashtag save tag team wrestling. Baron Corbin sucks. And many, many other shirts are only $19.99 for your standard style. But say you want to make sure that that person who's receiving that gift feels extra special. You want to get them something that feels nice on their giblets. Spend a few dollars more. Get that shirt and soft style and help us keep bringing you quality content in the process. Again, that site to get great chairshot.com t-shirts is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, round one of the first uh, of the, oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, when we come back, round one of the DC versus Marvel decathlon, you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com Ladies and gentlemen, all of the pomp and circumstance as the competitors march on to the field in the bandwagon arena. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to part one of the DC versus Marvel Decathlon. Ten events, one brand superior winner. How'd you like that? I, I was very proud of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. All right. Excellent. I, thought, I, I liked. I like Ray's salute. He should almost get a cheer for that. Ray, Pat. Ray standing. He should, but he's not going to. Uh, very, very, very well. Nice try, though. Uh, to to, to quote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate the effort and the thought. It's the thought that counts. But yes, today we are finally going to do it. We are finally going to start our DC Marvel Decathlon week one. And this is going to be a five-part series covering 10 categories. And Dave asked the question of how this is going to work. So I'm going to tell you all how this is going to work. Each week, we are going to discuss two separate categories that range everywhere from heroes to social media footprint and everything in between. 10 categories and each nerd is really going to cover which of the two brands marvel or dc they think has the stronger case to win that category i'm going to keep a tally for each of us and at the end of five weeks we're going to tally up 
the DC Marvel decathlon points and whichever brand has the most points of all of us combined will win the Marvel versus DC decathlon. So let me explain that a little bit further. We go through a category. Ray says DC wins. Dave says DC wins. Tony says DC wins. I say Marvel wins. Then that would be a three points for DC, one for Marvel. We're going to do that for every category. And at the end, we're going to add up each column. And whoever comes out on top at the end of five weeks in 10 categories, we will declare the bandwagon nerds winner of the Marvel DC decathlon. Figure that's the fairest way because Dave was concerned about ties per category of like us trying to come to a consensus. I think this this could be interesting. I think it, I think it could balance. It could play it out. And I'm gonna like I said, I'm gonna keep the tally on the sheet. So on the on the rundown, and as you all know, I just keep the rundown going. So just I'll update the scores week to week as we go, and then you'll be able to see it the following week. So <clears throat> with that being said, gentlemen, do you have any questions about kind of how this is gonna work? No question. It makes sense. It makes sense. Cool. Makes total sense. And stuff like this, I think, is dope and fun, and I'm excited. Excellent. I'm glad you're dope and fun, excited. And credit to David Ongar. This is David's idea. Like, I, I will not claim responsibility for this. So, you know, well played by you, Dave. And the categories are all also suggested by Dave as well. And what I tried to do with these is I tried to have like a bigger time topic. And kind of a lesser time topic, kind of in my mind. So I will own that some of these I may not find quite as as big a deal as others. What, with one exception, and that is on week five, I put two big time categories together. And spoiler alert, the last week will be heroes and will be villains. Those are the two categories for the end. So I figured that was the, that, that seemed like the best way to wrap this up. Uh, Tony is doing the evil mwahaha. But today, for our first two categories, our first two events in the Marvel DC, the DC Marvel Decathlon, we are going to cover social media slash convention footprint and category two, printed comics. We'll do printed comics last. We will start with the social media convention footprint. And I, I will put out my argument first, just to kind of get everybody going, get the juices flowing. And for this first round, we'll go me, we'll go Tony, we'll go Dave, we'll wrap with Ray. And then on printed comics, we'll go in reverse order. We'll go Ray, we'll go Dave, we'll go Tony, we'll go Patrick. Sound good? I do have one quick question. No. You have are, question are these... Are these categories only encompassing the past calendar year or in general? I went with in general because okay. I feel like, and Dave is nodding, so it sounds like I got it in the spirit of, of his thing. For those of you listening, I apologize for the clacking of the keyboard as I keep track of scores. Yeah, I think if we were going to so, do like the last year of printed comics, it wouldn't be much of a conversation because like that's true. How much have you really read the last year? Well, I mean, and printed comics is a, is a dying medium. But what's not a dying medium is social media and the social media footprint and the convention footprint. Now, conventions have been, undergone an interesting transformation. And I, I thought this would be harder than it really was in my mind. Um, but for me, I, and call me a homer if you want, but I, I give Marvel the point 
in my first go around of looking at this just in the sheer machine that is the social media pushing uh, the social media machine that is the MCU and Marvel in, in general with Disney behind it. It has multiple conference uh, conferences and conventions available to it outside of San Diego Comic-Con, which it is and has been for the longest time, the Hall H highlight. No matter what you say about DC, Marvel has been it until everybody started going virtually. DC fandom was nice for one year. It was a lot lesser this year, even though it was a nice little three, four hours. Um, that content was it was a good idea, and Warner Brothers is really working it. But for me, Marvel ha- has just has dominated our consciousness, and I, and I actually look at this show. And what really grabs our attention, and from social media, it's Marvel news. Uh, and so, for, to to see that, and then, like I said, to accompany its presence at the multiple uh, Disney-led conventions that they have out there, whether it's D twenty three, whether it's the investors reporting, whether it's all that, the dogs you agree with me, Dave. You can be mad at them all you want, but like the dogs are on the side. Um, I guess, they yeah. get it. <laughs> but so for me uh marvel takes the cake on this one and still to this day um uh, my my last sort of mic drop on the convention footprint tell me a, a more chill 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 inducing moment than mahershala ali's name showing up underneath the blade icon um and the blade screen thing popping up there that was that was massive it was huge and every time marvel's put something out in a type it tends to have backed it up. So for me, the point goes to Marvel. PC Tunney. Do I have to give the whole point to one or the other? And do I have yes. to give the point away? Yes. Could you force in Tunney's hand? You think you can abstain? No. Can I give like three quarters of a point to one and a quarter of a point to the other? No. I mean, I don't care because if you've seen how I do nerd reviews, I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, but that kind of that kills the point, doesn't it? Because if we it's gonna the point, I thought the point of this was to make a decision either or. If we're gonna split it, then we can just say both are great. All right, so fine. I'll play by I'll I'll play by Ray's rules. Uh, I, I didn't even point. make this shit. This is David Batts. I was waiting for Patrick, the the leader of men, to co- chime in here. Yeah, I think he, I actually tickled his funny bone there, his interest with uh, you know giving a percentage of points away. But I'll I'll keep it clean. I'll, I'll keep it clean, uh, so it's easier to keep track of. Mar- Marvel is is the answer here, even being a DC guy and, and kind of making fun of giving partial point to DC here. Um, I don't I don't know that if. It, if it's just more recency biased as well, you know, cause if we were to go back in time, you know, I think it might be a little closer, but it, it could still possibly be Marvel. It's just always hard for me to give a category away to Marvel when you're sitting there talking about Batman and Superman and wonder woman. Like that's, that's where I'm going to, that's where a lot of my arguments are going to come from a lot of different places on the DC side, but uh, just being fair and objective and, and a good quality nerd as i push my glasses back up my nose uh, we'll give the point to to marvel and all the great work they've been doing lately um uh, echoing a lot of what patrick just said i, I agreed with, with with a lot of what he said so 
That turns it over to you, David Ungar, in this first round. See, in the past, I would have agreed with you guys and given it to Marvel based on the Hall H experience. And they dominated that. And maybe this is recency bias to a certain extent, but I you're gonna go you're gonna go with two DC fandoms. I I that is the definition of recency bias. That's right. That is, that is absolute DC Superman homerism right there. And you should be but, have the, but if you throw in the 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 rock on, on top of it, you know, I mean that that's that's like something to talk about, I right, mean, Dave? The thing is Marvel doesn't really need it and DC needed it more. And 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 that's that's something to take into consideration as well, is that Marvel didn't need these big conventions. DC needed to make up some ground. I I, I really yeah, I'm gonna give DC the point based on fandom because it was and you're right, Pat, this year wasn't nearly as good as the first year. The first year was fantastic. And two days and you had so much stuff for everybody involved. And it really just kind of came out of nowhere as this great fan centric convention that they put on. That was, that was, that was fantastic. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. And, and Marvel, you know, right now they don't really need to worry about that. And I think, I think another thing that factors into this is I look back at Disney plus day and man, Marvel was all over the damn place. It wasn't just one centralized place where you can go to get your information. You had to pull from here. You had to pull from there. That was annoying for not just me, but for a lot of people. And Fandome didn't do that. You had a nice structured, they spoon fed it for you. You could go through and watch what you wanted, you know, watch the stuff you needed to get. And I enjoyed that more than anything that Marvel has done. Yeah, since the pandemic started. Now, yeah, I mean, if you go back a few years... DC wasn't doing anything that came close to the Hall H experience, but oh, I got I got, real, I got a real pushback. I love that I'm going to just push back on. I think I'm going to be the Marvel Homer. Name me one good DC social media account. Well, other than DC itself, I mean that's all well, I can think of. Well, I mean it's not Warner Brothers. That's they're all they're fucked up. But D- DC fan 0069. There you go. Thanks. All right. Point point for DC. I hear you. Dave loves DC fan. I love DC fandom too. I did. I liked it um, much better year one. It feels like they pared it down. And we and I hear everything you said, Pat. And you make some really good points. And this is recency bias. It's like, I'm, but it's you know, like I'm, it's like I really enjoyed. I, I mean, because fandom came so far out of nowhere that I was like, wow, I didn't think these guys were capable of this. That was really impressive to me. So yeah, it scores some points with me. We'll see what we'll see what Ray says here. I'm curious. That's right, Ray. You finish it up, sir. So if the discussion was this year, who had the better convention footprint, DC would have won that, if that was the discussion. But the discussion here is between DC and Marvel, who has in totality and in, as I asked at the beginning of this, in general, the better social media and convention footprint. First and foremost, if you want to speak on the convention standpoint, while DC may have won this year, the only reason we care about conventions when it comes to these two companies is because of Marvel and because of Hall H and because of what they've been able to do. Selma Hayek had an interview with um, Graham Norton where she said she doesn't know about any of this stuff. And she was backstage when they announced that last big Hall H they had where they announced Eternals and Blade and X-Men and Fantastic Four and all this. And she was just talking like we're talking regular. And people had to grab her. Marvel had to grab her and say, you can't talk like that. Like talk like normal. She's like people are listening on the their ears are against the wall. You have to whisper because th- they'll they'll hear you and they'll spoil something. 
That's the level of what those conventions were. People couldn't even talk normally backstage. So add to that the Investor Day and the Disney Plus Day with the respect to the fandom, what they've done. That's one thing good they've done in 10 years. And Marvel has completely controlled everything involved with conventions. And then to, to the social media standpoint, Patrick said it best. There's not a DC social media footprint or account you can name of note besides maybe DC, which isn't even really that good. And I'll add further context to that. The fact that DC as a company with its television and, and, and movie properties, the DC extended universe is so disjointed that hurts it because everything on Marvel's platforms is in sync. Everything all matters. There is a Captain America social media uh, um, um, uh, account. There's a Hawkeye social media account. There's a Loki social media account. There's a Thor, Iron Man, w- WandaVision, Vision, Wanda. So many, and they all match. And then these, and then Marvel, and then there's Marvel Comics, and then there, it's all matching, and they're always doing something. It's Marvel, and I don't even think it's close. Okay, well, you're wrong, Ray. So- but thanks. <laughs> So after one event, Marvel takes an early three to one lead. However, a decathlon is 10 events. It's not one. And Ray, the next category is printed comics. Who is the superior printed comic entity? So I am a person that until recently would buy comics and I still check it every week, but would, I buy it. I buy comics every, every Wednesday. Now what hurt DC in me buying comics, and this is very recent. I'm going to go further than just the past six months or so is DC retired their DC comics app. And you got to buy comics to comiXology. And I don't like that because I like to have a very I specific, I don't because comiXology has <laughs> every comic it. It, it, I'm saying, like, I got to go through 70-plus comics. Every comic that comes out that is digitally remastered, I have to go through just to find what I want to find. I'm not a fan of that. What is just the 15 comics that came out that day for DC. So that hurt my comic purchasing with them. But in totality, it should be DC going complete. It shouldn't even be close. PC mentioned it earlier. Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. The problem is... DC only cares about Batman when it comes to comics. And I'm a Batman fan, but there's only so many rehashed Bat stories and so many times you could talk about the secondary characters or make a new sidekick or, oh, what about uh, what about Alfred's story? Like, there's only so much you can do. Marvel has so many different platforms and different um, comics that are interesting and new characters and the only new character you can think of note recently is that from a comic standpoint in DC is Naomi. How many new characters in the past five, 10 years has Marvel came up with? Miss Marvel, Riri Williams, The Runaways. So many new properties that are major parts of what we're seeing now. That the This whole new phase four, phase five, phase six, most of them are new characters. It's, so I'm, I got to go with Marvel. And it's a shame that DC has fallen off so far that they don't win this going for going far and away, but I got to give Marvel the point. All right. One point for Marvel from Ray. I see Dave smirking. What do you got, Dave? 
this is really close and, and, and a very close decision to make because both companies have put out some just tremendous stories over the years. I mean, on the, on the DC side, you look at like, I mean, just Batman alone, you've got Nightfall, you've got Court of Owls, you've got The Killing Joke, you've got The Long Halloween, you've got Metal, Metal. you've got The, the Dark Knight Returns, you've got Year One. Um, Superman, I think you kind of like minute marginalize him a little bit, Ray, but you've got all-star Superman, which is a fantastic story. You know how I feel about Superman. I know. (laughs) I know. You got the death of Superman. You got the flashpoint paradox, you know, a great flash story. You've got blackest night on the green lantern side of things. Um, you've got forever evil. There's a, a lot of great DC stories. Both companies have had an issue with deciding to reboot a little bit too often. But DC's guilty of that more than Marvel is. And when DC reboots, it's a complete reboot. Like like the New 52, I always loved the New 52. And I thought great stories came out of there. And then they just reboot it with Rebirth. And then that doesn't stick. And then we got to do something here. And, you know, maybe we should get rid of the continuity. Whereas Marvel, on the other hand, has put out. And I, I think, like, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to give Marvel the point on this. And it sways me because, like, I look back at this line that came down where you had Marvel Avengers disassembled and the progeny that went from that, from that to house of M to planet Hulk to civil war to world war Hulk to dark rain, uh, you know, Messiah complex. And, and you know, that's just one continuity. Then you've got the dark Phoenix saga, which is one of my famous or favorite series of all time. Anything involving the infinity stones and the infinity gauntlet. You've got that going on. You've got secret wars I know Pat hates Infinity Gauntlet, but it's still an iconic storyline. You got Secret Wars, you got Secret Invasion, you've got so many things that Marvel has done that as close as it is, I think Marvel's actually just, in my opinion lately, just pulled ahead. The more I I and once you announced this, I really did a lot of thinking about it, Pat. And I, I gotta give I gotta give Marvel the point here. Um, just that that disassembled story arc leading into Siege is probably the greatest run in comic history that I can ever think of. So yeah, I know it shocks you, but I got to give Marvel the point on this one. I I am legitimately shocked over that one. I had practically put the point in the, the DC, uh, the tab before you started talking. So color me surprised. I don't think I'm going to be surprised by Tony here. Tony, your thoughts on printed comics, because I know you have regular subscriptions and long boxes galore. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. You, you wouldn't even know what to do with everything Don't I have. Um, <laughs> let's just put it this way. I'll make my argument like this, short and sweet, right? Everything you guys have said, obviously, is excellent, but... What does that mean? I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. Batman Wonder Woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Gotta add Flash there, Ray. You're right. Yeah, you no, no, right. no, 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 no. We're talking about printed comics, right? Okay. Excellent. It's really nice that Marvel has a, a plethora of options that you guys enjoy more, but I believe that the X-Men is fourth. Um, Spider-Man's third, but first and second all time is Superman and Batman. So you can have your quantity and I'll take the quality and give the point to DC. That's fair. So you named it. Spider-Man. Does it name one woman? And the X-Men, the Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, on and on. Terrific. 
I'm actually giving the point to DC. And yeah, look at that. Look at these, flip look at the these upsets in the second look event, man. Ray's about to lose his shit. Too. I just shit myself. Ray, Ray, we both feel betrayed today by by one one by Dave and the other by Patrick. I'm saying. So let let me explain this because if not for Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, Marvel isn't Marvel Comics. That's that's a reality, and that is true. And in the sixties. Detective Comics, first of all, does have the benefit, is the beneficiary of longevity. There, there's no arguing that. And even though there are characters that date back as far as the 20s, 30s, and 40s that eventually become Marvel properties, that, you know, Superman, Wonder Woman, like all those characters that, that we've named, they they are like they, they are the pantheon of, of, of comics. And in terms of the printed co- and the Flash, like, and I don't want to leave out the Flash. I don't want to leave out Green Lantern, the Green Lantern core. They're Shazam for fuck's sakes. As much as people might be surprised to hear that, there's it's it's kind of interesting because you're you're weighing kind of what's been recently recently done by Marvel versus the the sort of the longstanding and great history of. DC and you know and, and Batman being being part of it and I just can't overlook that and I can't overlook that so many iconic characters out of Marvel are derivative of DC characters like and and that is and that is I think almost unquestionable like Quicksilver is a derivative of the Flash Mr. Fantastic is a derivative of of Plastic Man um Namor is a derivative of of uh, Aquaman like it just it kind of goes on and on or is it the yeah. other way around? Nemo was first. Nemo was first. Nemo first on that one. Nemo uh, was the first comic book character ever. Superhero. Go look it up. Oh. Uh, look it up. DC I'm is doing sure Spider. It's, it's Flash Gordon, I think, is the. Pretty sure it's Flash Gordon. Well, I don't. I'm talking about Major. I don't really talk about I'm him. Talking, you say, you're about... saying Namor War came before Superman? I believe so. All right. I'm fact check. All I know is. Fact check that shit. I'm not sure about that one. Anyway, my point is, is that there are so many characters. Like you could argue that Tony Stark is a is a derivative of Batman. Um, you, like it's just and it's just one of those things. Uh, and so for me, yeah, these characters found their own voices. What I do think has been unique and distinct about Marvel that makes it special is one, Stanley and Marvel making the conscious decision to set their universe within our known universe, like in the United States of America, like Spider-Man, Peter Parker grows up in New York city, um, as opposed to sort of representations of New York city, like Gotham, um, and Metropolis and so on and so forth. Um, I think that Marvel embraced, uh, multiculturalism in a way that DC didn't do as quickly. Uh, and even if it was, you know, doing something as trite as participating in black exploitation with Luke Cage in the seventies and Shang-Chi, you know, like Shang-Chi is, is totally, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee derivative. Uh, and so there is a lot to be spoken for just the way Marvel sort of advanced itself and the, and the voices Stanley, you know, started and that other people continued. But to me, it's when it comes to iconic comics and, 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 just you know like the totality of it all like 
it's it's DC in my mind. And so I gave him the point. And so as Dave loves to say, Superman beats Namor by a year. Um, 1938 versus 1939. So, haha, Ray was wrong again. Anyway, what that <laughs> a lot closer than y'all thought. I, I, but I know, more, I know, Namor was for sure the first Marvel character. Well, but Marvel didn't exist until the 60s. So, yes and no. Um, Marvel, as we know it, um, didn't exist. Until, I can't remember what they were called before they were called Marvel Comics because Captain America was around in the 1940s like before Wiz Comics or something like that. Yeah, it was something else. So. Anyway, so there you have it, a split on the printed comics one win. And I'll be honest, I thought DC was going to get a four to nothing sweep on this one. And instead it goes two to two, which means our current tally after two events, Marvel. You're fucking this all up, Dave. You're fucking it all hey, up. Look, let, let's before Pat Let me lose by one at the end. You're going to be kicking <laughs> your own ass. Let me tell you right now. Comics was arguably the toughest one out of all the categories. Even, even when I came up with this thinking about it. This was the toughest one for me because they have both put out some fantastic stories um, over the years, and, and that's that's indisputable. Right. I got one other. I got one other thing that I've always appreciated um, out of DC over Marvel, and that is some of their their sort of quote unquote sub properties that they have. Doctor Fate, by the way, Doctor Strange is Doctor Fate. Like, there's another yes. one. Yes. Um, but some of those other properties that dc bought like vertigo comics and the only reason that's sticking in my head right now is because i'm currently reading the sandman series like that's that's dc watchmen owned by dc like there's there's just some other great properties within the dc canon and the dc umbrella that marvel just doesn't have i will say that when it comes to a big event marvel i feel like nails it way more than dc like you talked about disassembled um I'm probably one of the few people who doesn't hate one more day. I hate the result of one more day, but, and of course everybody knows my favorite big Spider-Man event of all time. Um, will never go away. Craven's last time. So Ray last thought before we, before we put a bow on it. I think what's going to make this whole thing fun is our perspectives of where we're coming from, because it's interesting to me that all three of y'all are talking about all time. And I'm trying to think of, in the past 10 years or so, because I don't think there's a competition for talking all time because the reason we are where we are is because of DC, because of the the big three, right? And all the other, all the other properties, as you said, were either derivative of, or were helped because of the popularity of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman and the like. Uh, But I think um, if you, if you're talking about, in the modern era, kind of like when we talk wrestling, you can't talk about Bruno and George Hackenschmidt and these people, right? I think when we think about the modern era um, in the, the past 10, 20 years of comics, that's where I think our conversations will change or have changed because, you know, with respect to detective comics and respect to action comics and respect to all these things DC has done that have been groundbreaking and whatnot, the past 10, 20 years, they haven't been great. And I'm not saying Marvel's been fire too, but when I think of the things that interest us, interest me, let me speak for myself as a comic book fan, the, 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 the big, um, the, the big um, series, if you will, the civil wars and the disassembles and whatnot, Marvel's killed new characters, Marvel's killed um, the, the variety of interesting uh, comics, Marvel's killed. 
So I get why DC wins in you guys' eyes, but I just think, and that's going to be fun for me, seeing how we look at this from in the way we look at it. But if you, I don't think he's even a conversation if you look at the past 10, 20 years. That's fair. And I think that's, you know, it is about how, how we choose to look at these categories. And, and that's going to be true for the rest of these. And so I, I look forward to the discussion. I look forward to more surprises. I loved, by the way, that all three of you collectively fell back in your seats a little bit when I declared DC as my choice. Because you all had me pegged for, for Marvel all common, the way. Given my Common sense uh, is not that common, but once in a while it kicks in. <laughs> yeah, two, two big two big flip-flops from the two head nerds here. And we we shocked the world, Pat. There you go. Right, there you go. Next. And next week, we're going to do our next two categories. They are, I'm going to tell you guys now so you can think about it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think one might be a runaway for one side versus the other. The other one uh, I'm interested in because I think the bias um, might show through a little bit more for, for some of us. Uh, but it's animation and games. Those are the mm. two games for next week. Animation and, and games. Does it matter what type of game or are we just talking video games? No, I think it doesn't matter what kind of game. Okay. That works. So that'll be our categories for next week. Gentlemen, well done on round one. Our current tally, Marvel, out to an early lead, five points to three over DC. We now head into Patrick's Patrick's pitch. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Still don't have a, a different tune. What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? All right. This week's pitch man is going to actually be one PC Tunny. He is going to pitch the team because he put into chat a Netflix show that he saw that he felt the entire bandwagon needs to watch and check out so dave or not dave tony i'm so sorry that was such an insult to you man uh but uh pitch us on this new show that is a quick watch an easy binge from what i understand on netflix and we need to watch it soon before it gets canceled after one season yeah um i forgot what i was <laughs> I don't remember what I what, what I was. Was it pronounced like Vion or something like that? Um, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the of the show. V O I R. It's French. Um, wow. We'll wow. Yeah, there you Voir? go. Like voir, like black noir, voir. but with a V. Voir. There you go. Right. Voir. Voir. Well, I mean. When they question a jury, it's spelled V-O-I-R-D-I-R-E. It's called voir dire. So there you go. Voir. Yeah. So it's a really interesting take on the movie-going experience. And they kind of break it down into six different episodes and talk about what's happening in each one. Um, what What is this? It's on Netflix, right? Hold yeah, on a second. You've you got to tell me these things, Patrick. I'm very unprepared here today. Very surprised. I'm take it back. Much like you DC. You, you can't take it back. Uh, uh, all right. All right. The first episode. Oh, well, they talked about Jaws, and they talked about telling a story and getting people into the movie theater and just being taken aback and taken away from your troubles. They're going to move on and talk about the ethics of revenge, things about uh, love, uh, appeal on, on screen, and just 
breaking down the movie going experience and movie making in general. So uh, that's my pitch to, to cover that they're short they're, The first episode was 17 minutes. So that's a bonus right there. Um, but yeah, that that's what I have off the cuff here, but they're really going to get down to some of the all time classic, uh, cinematic movies in, in American history. And, and then at the end, they compare it to TV as well. So we really get the whole, you know, screen experience, small and big. Yeah. And I will say your recommendation, I totally, ch- I checked out the trailer and it really is for me. I, I think for me in particular, and I won't speak for Dave or Ray, I'm actually very interested in this series because I, I love the theater going experience. And I've I've been very clear about that. Like the second it became that I felt that it was relatively safer for me in the wake of the pandemic to go attend a movie at the theater, I, I was in. I was ready to go and I was there. And I missed it. I couldn't even believe how much I missed it. And I can't even remember the first movie back that I went and saw, but the one that's been the most distinctive to me since we came back was Doom. And seeing dune in the theater reminded me why the theater is special and the and the movie going experience was special and just hearing the way people were talking about films in that trailer it it felt special to them and that was great and that's that's i'm very interested in checking this out so your your dm pitch worked on me uh, and, and I would say the rest of the bandwagon, it, it might be worth it to check it out. But Ray can't until he watches The Witcher. You can, Ray. Or Flash no, Gordon. Think. Or Flash Gordon, Ray. Oh, I'm giving, ghost. I'm giving up the ghost on I'm Flash giving Gordon. up on Flash. Okay, we'll give up on that. What more do you want from me? Blood, Ray. Blood. I want, you, I want you to put the same amount of love and attention into this podcast as PC Tony doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's, what do you that's, mean? That's, I've, I want to buy a TV and I'm, I'm the asshole now. I'm the asshole here, everybody. Yeah, that's right, Cheesehead. Oh, little Vince Vaughn for you. Little Vince. <laughs> that's right. You are the asshole. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, let's do a quick once around. Remind everybody where they can find us. And we will start with PC Tunny this week. You will find me in front of this new TV, putting in all the new password codes for all the stupid streaming apps that I have for the next few hours. So that'll be fun. You can also find me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. And please continue to find something that suits you right there on the Chairshot Radio Network every single day of the week. Mr. David Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Reverend Ray Cash. You can find me on Twitter at it's R-E-Y as a Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in those dollars. That PC Tony apparently spent on his TV. No, I was on I, no, I didn't spend that much. It's under, it's under a good five. week for you, Ray Cash. The the live studio audience was a little more behind he's you than not, normal. He's not DP Ray. He doesn't spend all of his salary on fucking good TV point. equipment. Good. Well, not all of his salary. He's a scientist, remember? So uh, you know, we don't we don't know what's up. And of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Real Estate is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Please make sure you also follow the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. That is at Bandwagon Nerds. We've been hyping the DC Marvel Decathlon. Obviously, we will be putting up our topics and our quotes. Probably maybe a little poll action, I think. Maybe some polls. 
see what the people think. People's choice. Turn. People's choice, the man. People's choice. And, they, and we're, we're going to get back to the character Wednesdays. I've been busy. Which I believe you. But um, in the meantime, we got a decathlon we can get some opinions on as well. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Everyone, make sure that you get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and check out some of those great written Marvel and DC comics. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network here on the Chairshot.com. all I've done. And? You want me to want to join you. Voluntarily. But you've trapped me. You've made it so I don't have any other choice. Kinsey, whatever I am, I still have a human soul. I meant what I said. (laughs) You seriously think you love me? If I didn't, you'd already be dead. This isn't about love. This is about you wanting to control me. But that's never going to happen. Because I realized the one thing I can still control is my own fate. Kinsey! I will never, ever be yours.